What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good, a very special episode. We are joined in person, in studio with the one and only Ali Maz. Hello, hello, my friend. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here with both of you. Yes, we've just been having like a wild pre-pod time. We're like, I guess eventually we got to hit record here, but uh, it feels so good. You know, the last time I think I saw you in person, my gosh, like it might have been at the district, like that closeout graduation party. And then I don't know, maybe I've seen you once or twice since then, but just in passing, but it's so yeah. good to sit down with you. You've been living your life, growing and learning and all of these things. And um, you know, you're always up to something and we're really excited to have you on the pod today because we're sharing what you're up to, which is, why don't, why don't you tell us, you break the news. I'm gonna break the news. Okay, I'm starting my own podcast. Yes. Yeah, it's time for the Ali Maz show. Let's I've been thinking go. about it for years and years and it just feels like, yeah, it feels like the right time and I have a lot to say yeah. <laughs> and it feels like the right forum. So definitely. Well, I, I would agree. I mean, even in the kind of just pre-pod and talking about the different things that are lighting you up and the many different rabbit holes that we could go <laughs> down and you could go down in terms of the things that you're interested in and also well-versed in, um, it's going to be a super dynamic show that represents who you are. And if anyone who knows you, they know you, they know that you've done all kinds of work, right? Like from back here in Vancouver with your fitness um, pursuits at the district. And of course, uh, with Lululemon, uh, I still do that 20 minute flow like on the regular it's one of my favorites like I know it by heart but I still like tune it up and watch it it's so good um Girlvana helping young women be embodied and, and love themselves and find movement and health and healing and all that stuff your book that you've written I mean you are someone who has had a journey and is on a journey and uh I'm really excited to hear you know what you have to share so super super excited for uh the Ali Maz show Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I'm really excited too. There's so much you all don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we're going to get into some of it. Yeah, let's get <laughs> like into the teaser. it all. I mean, before we hit record, I think we need to have like a side show eventually called like the pre-pod where we Honestly. just like record the... Yeah. You got to put that under the like paywall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Business. Um, but we were talking about kind of the wellness trajectory and I think we're both individuals that have been interested in wellness for a long time like probably since our, our teen years and and that's been taking us down a lot of paths and I think um just following you following your journey like you've come to an understanding of your past and your your present now that I I, I feel just from this conversation is a bit of a spiritual evolution from from your origins so I think just for for fun maybe we can go through kind of your your journey of uh as, as we talked about, like an OG wellness girly. And um, like I've always been one for, for trends and just trying to always learn about, uh, you know, new ways to improve our, our well-being and our connection to ourself and, and source. And um, that can sometimes take us on some wacky and wild adventures that sometimes can transform us. And sometimes we can look back years later and kind of have a laugh at some of the things that we tried out. Um, so maybe we can kind of start there and we'll get into your spiritual evolution and, and, um, kind of where you are now on, on your, on your human, human journey. But, um, kind of before we start that, I just wanted to give you a shout out, you know, when we started our, our business at the juice truck, I felt like, you know, yourself, um, Katie with tight club, you know, we had this like small crew that was like our pillars of community 
And, um, you know, I really leaned on you guys a lot in, in growing the business and, and having yeah. that, that community to kind of grow together. And, um, I just want to say that, you know, that was a part of my life that I, I enjoyed so much. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of bring the circle back together and, and kind of work with you on the Ellie Mass show and, and, yeah. and grow together again. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think that was kind of our the thing that connected us in the beginning when you guys opened the juice truck. I was there on the first day because I was living in Gastown and I had been living previous to that in Santa Monica in California, which was, you know, like in 2000 and maybe five, oh six, oh seven. It sort of felt like this hotbed. I mean, it still very much is, but this hotbed of, of wellness. And I was drinking green juice and eating raw food and doing all of these things. And I came back to Vancouver and really couldn't find those things. And so when the juice truck opened, I was like, this is these are my people. And so I felt like we were really kindred in that sense of um, being young uh, entrepreneurs, but also with a really heavy emphasis on, on health and wellness. And um, I had done, you know, yoga teacher training really early on uh, in my, like, I think I was 20, turning 21. And I had a really interesting spiritual teacher named Shakti Mai, and she was blowing my mind. You know, she was like the kind, she would like show up in capes to training. And, you know, she was this Israeli woman and she would tell us that our parents didn't love us unconditionally. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) You know, she was like, love us always with condition. And for the most part. And I was just like, you know, giving some really large spiritual concepts at such a young age, but she also taught us about yogic kriyas. So anything from, you know, doing neti pot and, you know, some more chill practices to, you know, drinking your own pee, your own urine, um, which I don't know if anyone here has drank their own pee before, but um, there is a spiritual practice to it. I'm not doing it these days, but I, you know, I was down and still am down to try literally anything. And I, um, what was that like drinking your own pee? My son Finn actually asked me, <laughs> like, it's so funny that you bring that up because literally last night before bed, yeah, he was thirsty yeah. and he had to pee. And he's like, Can I just drink my own okay. pee? Okay, okay, yeah. before you answer, this is crazy because literally last night I was listening to a podcast, I drank my own pee. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking it right now. No, I, was, I was listening to a podcast and they talked about they talked about it, and I was like, Last night, last so, night. So and funny. I was listening to it and I was like, that's crazy. They talked about it. Oh yeah, people on like yoga retreats and stuff yeah. will often do it because like, I don't know, there's something like Bali Belly or something and it can help yeah. and there's all these different, but there's like, there's actually like some spiritual mm-hmm. practice connotations that go along with it. And I was like, what the heck? I'd never heard of it. And then, oh, so here yeah. we are. Today. You're in therapy. You, 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 you should do, this, do a little research on urine therapy because there's a lot of belief in in that, um, you know, that your, your urine is fully sterile and safe to drink. And it's sort of a biofeedback loop. Like if you have too much of something in your diet, you'll taste it. And, the two, you know, and it, it kind of encourages you to be cleaner. Mm. Um, but my yoga teacher would say you drink your first pee of the morning. Um, <laughs> and she would just put like a juice of one lemon in there and you don't even taste it. You just knock it back. Huh. Um, but urea, which is in urine, is used in a lot of skincare products too to clear up acne. And so, you know, people in my teacher training at that point were, you know, like putting cotton swabs into their urine and clearing their acne. And it had people were seeing really brilliant results. So, um, yeah, so it's interesting. I'm not not fully down that rabbit hole anymore, but yeah. um, but I was you just tried it out. yeah, you're I tried all, it out. I'll try anything, yeah. mm. and um, that's kind of what I love about being a seeker. I've always been a seeker, and I've just always thought there's something more than what meets the eye. There's something more than just you know. I grew up with really bad asthma, and I was always on inhalers and 
steroids and different types of things. And as soon as I became an adult, I was like, what else can I do about this? I don't want to be taking these drugs. And so um, I think that was a big part of why I was attracted to yoga and breathing and breath work and herbs and supplements because I did not want to be beholden to uh, being in the hospital or seeing yeah. the doctor constantly. And so um, that kind of brought me into yoga, which brought me just deeper, deeper, deeper into the connection with myself. Um, and then it just felt really natural to start businesses based off of things that I was learning because I was just so like, you know, when something changes your life, you're like, everyone, everyone <laughs> needs to do this. And so, um, and that's why I started Girlvana is because I was, if I had a lot of this information, maybe not drinking your pee, just so we're clear, <laughs> but a lot of the, the information around yoga, um, and, and different healing modalities at a younger age. I just think things could have looked a lot different for me. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. We love AG1 because when we drink it, we know it is our foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients for the whole body health. AG1 really replaces all of your multivitamins, probiotics, and more in one simple and delicious drinkable habit. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients is going to support your health. We love it. We drink it every day. It's part of our morning ritual. We know that when we drink it, we've got our daily nutritional needs met. It has 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients. Honestly, I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, which is why I trust this product so much and literally use it every day. We love AG1. If you are looking for a simpler, effective investment in your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out, friends. Yeah. And it's really like that invitation to go in, like you said, when you started to to slow down and like look in, we're, we're in our world, we're always comparing ourselves to other people and like Instagram and TikTok, you know, they have a lot of virtue to them. They help us and blah, blah, blah. But they also just perpetuate that comparison routine. And depending on our algorithm, like we might be looking at something that's completely unrealistic and we see it all the time that it tells us that's what's realistic. Yeah. But when we do practices like yoga and breath work, which are, you know, inextricably, inextricably bound, really, mm-hmm. you start to open up and you look within and find, okay, wait, maybe there is more. Or you find, you know, peace, mm-hmm. which you haven't felt in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it is true. Like you want to then share that experience with other people. And I wonder like how much of that journey as you were doing it, like, did you realize, was this kind of like a spiritual runway for you? Or is it more in hindsight, looking back, being like, wow, mm-hmm. all of those little practices of like wanting to be healthier and then like going to that first yoga class and falling in love with it was kind of just like this natural evolution of you following your curiosity and saying this feels good what's next what's deeper yeah I think every experience brought me closer to the truth of who I am and I think as soon as you get a hit of that and you go okay what I just did really resonated with me I feel like myself Mm. or I don't you know there's nothing to prove in this space there's nowhere to get in this space it just felt like home and so for me I I talk about this a lot, how yoga has always been a homecoming for me. It's this re-landing back within myself and um, and really that sense of self as a young person. I think that's what we're doing. We're searching for it, right? We're like, well, what about this? What about this? You know, and you over-identify with the friends you have or the clothes you wear, the things that you do. And when those things are stripped away, 
all of those identities, who are you really? And I was just fascinated by that question because I grew up as a dancer, a competitive dancer. When I stopped dancing because I had an eating disorder and a really bad pneumonia and I was hospitalized, I came home and I just thought, okay, well, if I'm not a dancer, then who am I? Mm. And if I'm not, you know, this person with this, 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 then who am I? And I think everyone can share in that experience, whether that's you go through a bad breakup and you go, well, I thought I was this relationship. I thought I was this job. I thought I was this car or this location that I live in. And ultimately we're none of those things. And so I was so driven by the question, which Deepak Chopra, I think says is the most spiritual question. Who am I? Mm. Um, and when I started to feel like myself, I was like, I wanted to chase that feeling. And then it started to become really evident. Oh, when I'm with this group of friends, I don't feel like myself. Okay. Huh. That's more data over here. Okay. I'm just going to like clock that. Or when I'm at this job, I don't feel like myself. Okay. Or when I dressed like that or when I said that thing or, um, so what does truth feel like? And that was really felt like the ultimate pursuit, uh, was the spiritual life and all of these things didn't matter as much anymore. And, uh, you know, as, as a female, can only speak to that experience we're so conditioned mm. uh, we're so hyper conditioned to look a certain way dress a certain way have your body be a certain size and even just the way you act and I felt always a bit more rebellious than being a good little girl not in the way that I wanted to get into trouble but more just of asking why why do men hold the power you know you're we talking about this in religion whether it was religion or um, work environments I was just like why mm. <laughs> why is dad the breadwinner? <laughs> like why? I just had questions. And so, um, I wanted to just be in service of this like fiery one inside of me that was just hungry for more. Um, and I'm so grateful that, you know, got on that path early. And so now at almost 37, I'm like, damn, it's been a long time. And I still feel like it's just beginning, yes. but I'm like, yeah. um, I have such a deep sense of self that what my yes and no feel like are just so clear. Yeah. Which I think is the magic yeah. like that we're all looking for and not in a sense of like, oh, I've arrived. So now I can tell you, but to say like, listen, I know, you know, the, the deeper we go, the more it's like, oh, I just don't know anything. Exactly. Right? I've often, I've often talked about spirituality. It's like you dive into this well or this like, you know, what is it? Like a cenote mm -hmm. and you're swimming down because like the goal is to find the bottom and then you get deeper and deeper and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to have enough air to keep going deeper. And then you realize like there is no bottom. <laughs> so you just keep swimming. Yeah. And then that's like the revelation is like, oh, I'll never get there. But it's worth like just continuing to like search for what might yeah. be down there and just yeah. to go deeper and deeper yeah. and like. And to die a few times along the way. Right. <laughs> you know, yes. and, and to rebirth is constant. Rebirth mm. is constant. Yes. At a cellular level. Yes. Even, yes. Right? Everything is showing us that nature is yes. showing us. The yes. moon is showing us. Um, I've been so fascinated by the moon for so long and I do a lot of work with and around the moon. Um, but nature is constantly showing us birth and death and rebirth. And I think, um, we're not, we don't live that way, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like get out of high school, go to college, choose the job, get married. There's all this, this checklist and we think that life is linear. Mm. Um, and I think when my life started to not be linear, I was like, uh Oh, am I doing something wrong? I'm seeing all my friends go down this path, but I'm, I've already ended a career at 21. You know, the thing I thought I would do or, you know, break you, the first love breakup after five, you're like, well, now what, <laughs> you know, but dying and dying and dying over and over again, it's been the greatest gift. Yeah. Yeah. I oh. think that's something that we need to come to grasp more because it's part of our evolution. Like we, you know, we look at a river and that river may look the same to us, but it's never the same 
river for more than you know a millisecond and we're the same like we're I might recognize you as Ellie Maz, the same Ellie Maz that I met when I was, you know, 23 or whatever. But uh, the the truth is that, you know, you've you've died and been born again a million times. Your cells have changed, your blood's changed, your hair's changed, your skin's changed, and it's changing every moment, every second. So it's like if we embrace that we are forever changing and don't try to stay in these versions that either society presses on us or that we impose on ourselves um it kind of opens up possibility for to explore to seek to try these these new things and to me that's where where the excitement is yeah the desire i I was uh leading a retreat this year in mexico and we did a temescal ceremony and the shaman kept repeating um it's a good day to die, but I want to live. Mm. And I just love that because it's like the desire to keep going uh, for me has gotten stronger. That's it's like, so good. yeah, it's a good day to die. Why not? I've had a great life. I could go right now. <laughs> I have so much love in my life, but I want to live. I want to see what comes next. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it kind of just like emphasizes our, our connection to nature. Like if we look at, um, like you mentioned, we want our lives to be this like linear climb of like better and better and better and better. But if we look at, the the seasons you know every there's a winter every every year where everything you know becomes dormant and dies and hibernates and come spring is you know new life is born and and we kind of think we're separate from nature separate from these seasons but uh you know we're talking about the egyptians and the ancients and like they were coherent and integrated with the seasons with you know the moon like you mentioned and and um you know we've we've disconnected in so many ways so it's like the reconnection is is what we're meant to be striving for all the time and and i know that's part of your journey is like constantly reconnecting with you know with nature with the moon with with yourself with the seasons and it's so rich i mean if if you're a a person with a menstrual cycle you are going to experience winter every month yes (laughs) And fall and spring and summer and, you know, and, and when your, your cycle is the moon cycle, it's a 28 day mm. cycle. So, and you're yes. hormonally, you're different every single day. My husband's always like, you know, you got two weeks on, you got two weeks off. And I'm like, that's it. I got spring and summer where I have my hormones are up and I can, you know, act actually, there's a bit more masculine energy in that, that, uh, part of the cycle where I can deal with my finances and kind of be a bit more structured, more, more linear. Yeah. And then, then it's fall and winter. Get out of the way. Let me relax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, where the leaves start falling off the trees and it's time to go inward. And I don't want to be as social and I don't want to be as caretaking. It's time to, to, and then it's winter. And then it's time for deep self-reflection. And that's what I've loved so much about working with, with girls and women and um, in nature because it's just, it's right there. Mm. And it's just been stolen from us. It's been kept from us, you yeah. know. Men are on a, on a solar cycle, a 24-hour hormonal cycle. Women are on a 28-day hormonal cycle. So like even the nine-to-five work structure, that's made for men. It's not made for women. Um, I'm trying not to go into feminist rant, that's but right. you know, this you know, is who I am. But it's just, it's it's been taken from us. And so I think even as a female entrepreneur trying to, it was very obvious to me when I opened a studio with a male business partner. Right. The way his energy worked and my energy worked, mine was like this and his often was like this. And so, you know, that became just very apparent. 
Uh, but it's really hard to say, hey, I need some rest or I need a break when I see you working like this. And then we're in this constant com- or I was in a constant comparison. And so once I started working with my own cycles and working at more as an entrepreneur on my own, uh, I can get so much work done. Yeah. And then my rest is so sacred and I do not push it and I don't work out in the same way. There's just so much I don't do. Mm. Um, that's made me wildly more productive. Yeah. But so many people don't know this. Well, I think this is really important, like um, breaking these systems, breaking, you know, patriarchy, the colonial systems. But it's like breaking our day-to-day systems that have been imposed because of of this historic male dominance um and it could be for men also like you know we can go on a feminist rant but i think we're all we're all stuck to this patriarchy is killing all of us yeah like we're all... <laughs> well that's the, uh, that's the thing about it right it's not really good for anybody no, no that's what i was trying to get no. to. apart like, from maybe like a very small percentage yeah. at the top that are because sure. it's, it's patriarchy but it's also like capitalism. again it's, t- it's tied so much to yeah. capitalism and you know back when the systems were made like women didn't work yeah so because they weren't allowed yeah. because they would, you know, they were these feeble beings or whatever the whatever the mindset <laughs> mm-hmm. was. So the whole thing was designed to be exploitive towards men. Mm-hmm. And then now it's just exploitive to everybody again, yeah. except for kind of the, you know, one or two owners of the biggest corporations yeah, in the sure. world. But now we're a feminist conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. But it is like it's, <laughs> it's harmful to everyone. It's not a good no. system no. that we're all kind of, you know, captured by no I mean I think it's done so much damage to to boys and and men and um you know in my world and in California and LA um I'm surrounded now by a lot of men my husband included that are in men's groups and just beautiful ways of connecting men to men and I love that I mean that's Mm -hmm. always what I've done with with women we need a, a space to talk about our own experience and so do men and um uh My friend Tim, who leads them, he was saying, you know, the first few sessions are kind of like kindergarten. It's like, here's how you share how you're feeling. And I think they use an acronym called ROCK, um, Relax, Open, Connect. And so it's like teaching men how to do that before they start to express themselves and just giving more of an emotional language because I don't think boys, they're just conditioned differently. And, you know, when you're a little girl and you're crying or whatever, there's a little more space for that than there are with men and with boys. And so I just think that... You know, the divine feminine is waking up, yes, and I think we'll go down that road in a little, but the divine masculine is waking up too and Mm. kind of breaking out of these structures and, you know, masculine energy is a one-winged bird. (laughs) We need both wings flapping and this is not gender specific. These are energies and we need that polarity and the world is sort of only worked in one way and we need both. We totally need both. And so I think it's an exciting time because I'm seeing, you know, everyone wake up to this well it's like uh it's it's not new right like it's this very ancient idea and and even like um you know older uh, philosophers and scholars like carl Jung, Mm -hmm. right he has the beautiful anima and animus energy Mm -hmm. and that it's not again they're energies and they're not gender specific they we all have them and we've just been conditioned that if you're male then you only lean into these energies and you ignore these ones. Yeah. But if you're female, then these are the ones you lean into and you ignore those ones yeah. at risk of being this or that or the other. And it's like his philosophy was like, no, we need, everybody needs to embody both of them as fully as they can yeah. to be fully human. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, imagine that, right? Yeah. We can be and experience all these things we have inside us and feel we don't have to repress these things. Because no. like, why is that? good why has that been taught as like this is a good thing don't feel those things boys don't cry girls shouldn't lead blah 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 it's like oh my god we need to 
We need to rework the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think it's starting to happen in the way, I mean, I don't have children, but I'm around lots of people who do have children. And I'm just so inspired by the way, you know, you all are raising children. It's so important. Mm. Um, there's just a new way forward. So I do feel actually hopeful as challenging as it can be to look at <laughs> yeah. what's going on with the world. So one of the things you talked about that just, I, I love it. It's uh, something that I'm fascinated by now. And I used to be like a skeptic or like, nah, I don't really know. It was like moon, right? The mm -hmm. moon and the power of the moon cycles. But obviously living here on the West Coast, like you understand early like elementary school, oh, the moon is connected to the tide. And like, that's why we have low and high, low tide. And you kind of like accept that because it seems sciencey, right? Yeah. It's very Huberman. It's like, here, we could prove it. So you're like, cool, I believe it. But like any of this mystical stuff about like the moon controlling how people feel like that's, I don't know. Yeah. And then Zach and I have gone down this like water journey, which we were talking about pre-pod and we could talk about water, but we we're f finding out all of the kind of beautiful, sacred energy and mystery that's all held up in water. And then learning, you know, we did the Quinton shots here where it's like drinking seawater and our blood is the same thing as seawater. And then it like the penny dropped for me where I was like, wait, if we're like 99% molecular volume of water and it's kind of like the same as the seawater and the moon affects the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's fascinating, yeah. right? That like, how does that work? I don't know. You, I know you're not like a necessarily like a, you know, astrologer or whatever, but like I'm what? a PhD in moon. Yeah. yeah. Harvard, Harvard, Stanford, all the Ivy Leagues. Give us, give us yeah. your, your like the, the, the Coles notes of like moon. Yeah. moon. So, yeah. so <laughs> I, I don't know where I heard this quote, but I love it. It's that science or um, yeah. Science is mysticism's younger brother. Ooh. Always just like trying to catch up and prove itself. And I just love that so because true. it's like, but, but here, you know, you know, and it's like, no, we already know that. Thank you so much. We yeah. intuitively already embodied that. And, yes. um, I, and I listen to Huberman and I, I love all the, the science that's coming out around, um, ancient things, you yes. know, I love all the science around breath work. I teach it. I train other people how to teach breath work. Science is obviously a big part of it, but there's so many things that we just know intuitively. Um, so speaking of the energetics of the moon, and how I kind of work with them. So you know what it feels like when there's a, or to see when the full moon is in the sky, it's bright. If we were to turn off, if you've gone camping and there's been no light, the moon is there and it's guiding your way. And it's, it's this full illumination. So on an energetic level, the moon is at its fullness and it is shining down on you and amplifying what's already here. Mm. And so I think it's proven that like emergency rooms are like the busiest on full moons. It amplifies energy. And so you tend to feel or can feel if you're paying attention to what's going on inside more emotional. Um, it's a good time to go what needs to go because the lights are on and it's clear and you're going, okay, oh, this is dirty. I got to get sweep this up. I got to get this out of here. And then as the moon starts to wane into uh, the new moon, it's just that shedding period. And that's the time to let go. A lot of people bleed on the full moon. And what's interesting about that is traditionally that was the, the, the witches or the healers would bleed on the full moon because they were the ones that were the midwives to the women that were giving birth. And so those women were bleeding on a new moon, which represented fertility. And so you'd have two women on two different cycles so mm. they could continue to support each other, which I think is so beautiful. Um, when the moon is new, you can't see it. It's black. It's the void. And so it's the beginning. Mm. And so it's a really powerful time to set new intentions. So if the moon is on this 28 day cycle, so you look at that sort of as a month, you set new intentions and then you release what didn't work. You set new intentions and then you release what didn't work. So when you do a new moon cycle, you're saying, here's what I want to create for this cycle. And then when it's the full moon, you look at, okay, here's what's working. Here's what's not working. 
And it's really simple. That's <laughs> it's awesome. so simple. Yeah. And to speak about uh, the, the menstrual cycle with moons and where you bleed, this is really fascinating because the women that tend, so I um, would like to have a child at some point, <laughs> like to be pregnant at some point in the next little bit. And as soon as I declared that, my cycle shifted from a red moon cycle into what's called a purple moon cycle, which is where women tend to need more rest. There's a lot of transition and change, which is when I quit my job last year and into a new moon cycle. So my body is already listening and going, okay, it's time to gear up for that. So I just think that the body's so intelligent. Um, and so whether, and when the moon is waxing, so when it's coming into fullness some women bleed on that, it's called a pink moon cycle. And that cycle is all about coming back into your power. Mm. And so there's just so much the moon uh, kind of shows us metaphorically and energetically. Um, that's what I'm most interested in. in yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's so much, it's so much, um, it just shows us our connection to our place, right? Mm -hmm. The, the earth obviously, but also like the cosmos and how it all, it all is set in place yeah. and it all works harmoniously together for purpose and yeah. for reason and, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and cool. I love teaching these things, I did, yeah, right? I like, not known that. yeah, teaching them to my partner. You mm -hmm. know, like so. So he understands energetically where I'm at, and I mean, I always would teach Gian to my business partner, yeah. the men in my life, and you know, I've taught mega CEOs this. I've taught you know so many people. I've taught yeah. you know NBA players and <laughs> LA Dodgers, and you know, I've, yeah. I've taught this information far and wide. And yeah. but specifically for people who have a period, it's like um, it gives you uh, a sense of power yeah and understanding and that again a lot of that has been stripped from us mm -hmm. um and you're taught to hide and just be the same every day just be happy and show up and clean the kitchen and do yep. the dishes and look pretty and all this other bullshit so check all the boxes yeah. and, and forget the rhythms of the world that yeah. we're a part of not separate from exactly yes. yeah yes. so once you i think for me that was such a game changer coming back into the rhythm of my life oh I love that. And I, I mean, I, I love the just the check in the monthly check in with yourself. What's working? What's not working? Clear, clear the clutter, sweep, sweep the, you know, the things that aren't working away and, and start afresh every month. It kind of gives permission to be to change like we were talking about, you know. Yeah. Um, I always love, uh, you know, where Dean and I are, are seekers as well. And I love kind of exploring what people are curious about and what rabbit holes they're going down and and that's kind of the stuff that lights me up. And, and you kind of mentioned a couple of things that kind of piqued my interest before we hit record. And I'd love just to explore them a little bit. Um, one, I know this is in your wheelhouse too, Dean. Um, you talked about your pilgrimage to uh, south of France and, and um, kind of the effect of the, the Magdalen manuscript. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you kind of just kind of share that experience with us? And then we can kind of dive into your spiritual evolution of where you are with uh you know, psychedelics and plant medicine yeah. and, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Cool. So I read a book called the Magdalen manuscript in, uh, the spring. And I don't know how I have this book. Everyone's like, what did you buy it? Where'd you get it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember purchasing it. I don't, I may have ordered it, but it was kind of sat there for a while. And one day I picked it up and I don't know why. Uh, well, I do know why now, but <laughs> I picked it up and I read the first two pages and, um, you know, I think all of us probably know or have some sort of marker of what truth feels like. And I just, it was just like goosebumps and it was just this knowing. And I was like, I can't just like pick this up willy nilly and read it before bed. I got to go. <laughs> so I rented an Airbnb in Topanga Canyon and beautiful part of LA. 
And I just sat with the book for three days and read it, you know, over and over again, basically kind of aligning it. And um, the author channels Mary Magdalene's story. That's the first uh, third of the book. And then the second, the middle part of it, he's a spiritual teacher, really fascinating guy. And he starts to relate the teachings to anything from, you know, Taoist Buddhism to tantric yoga to really simple concepts, yin and yang. And, you know, um, Ida and Pingala, like, you know, the, the energies, the female masculine energies in the body, the Shishumna Nadi, the, the central energy channel talks about prana, things that I know from my yogic training, things that I, you know, have heard and, you know, just different types of spiritual teachings and the way he combined them made so much sense to me, landed in a Mm -hmm. new way. And then the final third is his wife just telling her own story, which is really beautiful. And then I booked a flight to the south of France. I was in Italy. Well, I would have was supposed to be in. I was in Italy right before then. Um, So I was like, if I'm already in Europe, I got to go. And the grotto of Mary Magdalene is in south of France. And the story goes that after Jesus resurrected, she needed to go into hiding. Um, And so she sailed to Marseille, which is in the south of France, and then ended up um, in Provence in this really beautiful region in this really enchanted forest. And um, it was a time before religion and it was uh, the pagans were there and the witches. It was people just living off of the land and communicating with the forest. And she felt really safe there uh, and sort of holed up in this cave for the last 30 years of her life, continuing to teach the teachings of, of, of the time of Jesus and um, and do her healing. And, and I was just so fascinated. I just needed to go. Mm. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I grew up, I went to Catholic school when I was a little girl, but I had never felt really struck by anything really that I had learned there. Um, and Mary Magdalene, what, from my understanding, was, was she's a prostitute in the Bible. So you don't really know much about her. And her story goes from many different lineages that she was Jesus's equal, that she was his partner and his lover. And um, they were, you know, on the same playing field mm. but like you said at some point down the road we were like ah women can't be powerful we can't be telling people that this woman was a she was wealthy and she was uh, a teacher and she was quite profound and so they sort of stripped that yeah. from her and I think that um that story is all women's stories to some degree you know and I think as a woman we're conditioned to understand that in order to be powerful we have to figure out what our currency the currency you have to trade for power mm. meaning is it my beauty I have to trade for power is it my sex sexuality I have to trade for my power is it my capability is it my martyrdom is it my service um, and you know Mary Magdalene was a sovereign being who and this is where we can get into the ancient Egypt stuff, um, was trained in the cult of Isis and around sex magic, meaning um, that the act of sex was so sacred with another person and it was all about moving energy up the body through the chakra system to expand (laughs) and charge what's called the Ka body, which is essentially the soul. Mm. And so Jesus's resurrection uh, was the Ka body in its full form coming forward. Um, and that was in part by Mary Magdalene and, and their love and their, their deep soul spiritual connection. And so the book is really healing, I think, especially people that have sexual trauma or just everyone has their own sort of connection and, and um, feelings around uh, sex and sexuality. And um, it just puts it in this really beautiful way of a sacred energetic exchange um, that made a lot of sense to me. Mm. 
So I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go to this place. And long story short is that it's really hard to find. <laughs> I was expecting there was gonna be like, you know, some, a gift shop. <laughs> a tour guide yeah. you could get the t-shirt yeah I like the t-shirt like I I don't know what I was thinking I don't oh, speak French at all really I got an Uber uh, that was gonna you know he showed up and he was like oh like one hour away like where are we going I was like I'm just think I'm gonna climb this mountain I don't know so we get lost we don't know where we're going He's like, I don't think. He's like, it's going to rain. I was like, no, it's not sunny out. He's like, I think it's going to rain. <laughs> and as we keep going, he's like, where you're going, there's no taxi. You will not get home. I was like, no, I think I'll talk to the people that are there. And he was like, okay. So we keep going. We're pulling over. We're asking for advice. We have no idea. We pull up to this parking lot and he was like, I will wait for you. I was like, I think I'm going to be like four hours. And he said, okay. So I have the sweet Uber driver in the parking lot. No, no one is there. There's no sign. Right. This couple pulls up, down to the car, one guy speaks English, so they're communicating. Basically, my Uber driver's like, can you help this woman who is not in hiking clothes? Like, I'm like in sneakers and like <laughs> like a flowy pant and like a linen shirt. Like, I, I brought water, but like not prepared. Sky breaks open, starts pouring rain. And uh, this guy that speaks English, she's like, okay, come on, let's go. This is my friend Stephanie. She speaks French. She's a psychic medium. Um, and she's already crying because she can feel the Magdalene energy. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to follow these people. Her and I end up having the exact same tattoo in the exact same spot. So there just starts to be these signs like I'm safe. And as we're walking, um, yeah, this man is just, we're just sort of speaking back and forth with the connection with Mary Magdalene. And we're so confused because there's like no signs. And we're just like walking up this like muddy path. It starts hailing. It takes about an hour and you get to the top. And there's like this cave that is built sort of into this church. And so you walk in and it's like pouring rain, thunder and lightning. Um, and it's beautiful that you just get hit by this wall of energy and it's just so profound and we're all crying and, um, and I sat and I, the first thing I did was like, okay, then I'm here and I could just feel this energy of motherhood that it didn't necessarily mean me as a mother. I think it does, but the way in which I mother the world and mother girls and sort of this, um, you know, initiation of Magdalene energy, which is essentially like healing, uh, healing women <laughs> the sisterhood um I, f I feel part of that lineage and they were talking to the friar who was there because there's a dominican friar that kind of keeps the place um you know all the candles lit etc and he was the one that told the story about how mary was in the forest with all of these witches and all of these people and just kind of sought refuge there and it was just a really beautiful day and there was just so many elements like the friar was like we've never seen ever weather like this ever like this is so bizarre the hail is coming down in chunks and it's the middle of summer and it's like it looks like it's snowing and um yeah so we so the man i can't, I can't even remember his name this guy that helped me he was he said something to me he's just sort of like we're so awake in the moment he looked at me and he said you know sometimes we do things and we don't know why we do them but we will soon and i just burst into tears and and he said, do you have kids? And I said, no. And he says, I have a daughter and her name is Anuk. And it's an Egyptian name. And one of the meanings is I am. And he said, anything you say after I am is what you create. And it was just so special. Like everything about everything he said, it was just so connected to kind of where I was at. And we walked down the hill after whatever, three hours. And there's my Uber driver waiting <laughs> for me. And he bought me a Mars bar and some water and, you know, drove me home and. 
you know, I'm still picking up the pieces of kind of what he said. Like, you know, I don't really know why I was there, but I'm going to know soon. Like that's kind of how it feels. And my life has sort of been unfolding, um, since then this Magdalene energy. Um, but it's really about the divine feminine and Mm. reclaiming my divinity and reclaiming, uh, the sacredness of woman. Um, and, and that's a part of my work and teaching and healing in circles with women. Um, and just fully, yeah, reclaiming my, my, what I was talking before, I don't, I don't trade or outsource my power to anyone anymore. Um, I share it willingly, but I don't give it away in order to feel powerful or valid or beautiful. There's Mm. nothing I need to give in order to do that. And, um, in the Magdalene gospel, which was buried and found, um, something that she says that was a Jesus teaching that's not in the Bible is there is no sin. (laughs) There is no sin. And, um, I think that we, we think that we're either good, bad, right, wrong. And you like are constantly doing this duality dance and there's just isness that exists and Mm. it's all worthy. Um, and I wish I knew that (laughs) younger and that's why I do what I do. But that's really how I feel now. It's like, there's no, there's no, I don't have to be a good girl anymore. I can just be me. And it's just so beautiful. And it kind of speaks to what Zach was saying, like just coming back into the rhythms of life. Um, so the Magdalene and every time I mention it, someone's like, I I know that book or Zach's like, my mom has that book Mm. or people were coming out of the woodwork once I posted about it. And so it just feels like there's something in her teachings that the modern day is ready for. Mm. Yeah. That was really long winded, but yeah, thanks for letting me share. That's, that's such a, that's such a beautiful story. And like, I just love it because obviously my work and life, you know, in the church, like I resisted a lot of the androcentric teachings of like, let's venerate the the saints or the disciples or from whatever tradition, right? They're kind of referred to differently. And to see when you read the stories, like it's almost comical at times where you see how often the guys like missed it. <laughs> and you can almost see Jesus like face <laughs> again, being like, okay, sit down. I'm going to tell you again. <laughs> how it's going to happen and then you see stories where it's like the women intuit so much and they know so much and they're like maybe culturally like quietly in the background but when you dig into it and kind of like excavate the actual lives of these people like they were the leaders of the movement they were fundraising and bankrolling jesus and these 12 you know hooligans running around the countryside doing all this stuff and and even the story of mary like it was a pope that basically in a sermon said, well, like she was like this woman of ill repute. She was like a, a, you know, sex worker or prostitute or whatever. And then that just became like read back into the stories. But if you actually look for it, like there's no, it's not there. there. It's just kind of been extra. It's this fabrication that people that are like just hold to be true. Mm -hmm. But if you actually read it, you're like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. If I were to come at this, with never hearing have heard anything like nobody would come to the conclusion that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute like it's you would not get there and that's true about so many things original fake news yeah yeah, yeah right and, and wasn't like, there a pope like in the 50s or 60s that corrected it that said hey she wasn't a prostitute let's let's clear this whole thing up yeah, yeah. but I think that what's done has been done it's yeah. damage is done there's all the children's stories and this and that and songs and collective memory of like you know no she was a prostitute like that's yeah. how it was yeah. and you know how many stories are made to to sound true and but then again like when you go back at you know i look at people today in 2023 who are you know in the tradition of of church lineage and they're like well women aren't allowed to speak or preach because 
you know, like there, it's the man's job or whatever, based on this letter that was written at a specific point in time, like after Jesus left, I was like, cool. Like that's like taking a letter written to someone else, right? Dear Ali, here's something I'm telling you specifically about this day. And then 2000 years later, someone being like, we all must live by this letter (laughs) that Dean wrote, (laughs) right? Like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And then when you actually look at the stories, like one of every uh, resurrection Sunday or people often refer to it as like Easter Sunday, I'm just captivated by the story that it was the women, it was Mary Magdalene who knew and she went to the garden like looking and wanting to like have this intimate moment of like anointing the body of Christ with these oils and this beautiful, intimate kind of like care giving, loving thing. And she goes there and is like, something is off here and Mm -hmm. says to the gardener like, yo, where is he? And then he says, Mary, and she Mm -hmm. realizes it's him. Mm -hmm. And like, she is the one that runs and proclaims like, preaches the gospel that yo jesus is here however we interpret or believe or whatever it is about that but like the truth of the story is that mary and the women were the ones that went and bore witness and then came back and told everybody what was up and i was like how dare you say women can't like say this message it's that's that's blasphemy to use like the religious word right so i'm just always struck by one of my favorite theologians her name's nadia bolsweber she's amazing she's this beautiful tattoo and it's just like mary pointing and it's like her proclaiming and telling the truth right and her truth of like what she experienced and it's just so awesome i love it so that that story is so beautiful i love that you you had that thank you for sharing that it's i want to go now yeah please go i know how to get there now (laughs) (laughs) and i think that there is like 10 minutes down the road there is apparently where her skull is whether people Mm -hmm. believe that or not Um, a relic yeah yeah a relic but i didn't find that place but there i think there is like a, a holstery um but by then I had paid too much to my Uber driver. We had to go home. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was gosh. too tired. Um, <laughs> I feel like you got the experience. I did. It was, yeah, it was, it was so perfect. But um, thank you for that. Wow. Like I that had chills. It felt, yeah, it just feels true. You yeah. know, and I think in the story of women, that's sort of the story of all women is like you, um, how often are we not believed or how often are we not taken seriously yeah. or how often are we not allowed to have a voice? And, um, you know, whether you've heard these stories or not, they're just embedded in our culture. It's mm. just so, it's so present. Yeah. And um, it's so crazy. Like, I, I mean, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a couple of years, but like, you know, I spent a lot of time in churches on Easter Sunday mm-hmm. and like, I always just felt sad. Everyone loves it. It's this like big celebration and it's like high rah-rah moment. And I was like, actually, like it's a really confusing dark time, this celebration, like this, I I get it because of where we are now. But I was like, if we're actually going to pay honor to it, I'm like, why is it that, you know, 99% of churches in the world on Easter Sunday, a man is getting up and is reading the story of women being the ones to go and tell the story. It's like, could we not find a woman who could read this story like and tell it? Really? Are we doing this? Are we still doing this? Where it's like, sit down, everybody. I'm going to tell you the good news today. It's like, shut up, bro. Like, (laughs) read the story. Let's like, let's actually live this. It's like, let's empower our wives and our sisters and our partners and daughters and mothers to like, be the leaders that yeah. are like on display in these stories. Totally. It's, it's so crazy. And I think that's why people, you know, I've been so off put by religion for so long, for so long for those reasons. And I think finding these stories outside of religion yes. itself um, has been so beautiful. Like, I don't think I've talked about Jesus more than I have this year, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but really the, 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 the Jesus that was a yogi, the Jesus that was just an enlightened being just outside of, you know, I mean, you know, people have just taken it way too far as a yeah. way to control because that's what 
what it is. You know, we need a society that, that is, is fearful in order to manipulate. And so, um, you know, what it means to get out of that and step outside of that and, yeah. and live, um, for yourself. And that's really, I think what all of these sort of cumulative experiences, um, have, have led me down is, is ex- exactly that. Mm. Um, you know, you can't police someone from the inside out so and, true. um, yeah, that's really the work that I'm up to. And so it's cool that, that Mary and Jesus came in this year. <laughs> yeah. well, and I think it's cool too, like as an example, like you are an example to a lot of people and especially a lot of young women. I think it, this is not a hundred percent always the case, but it's interesting that in, in this experience, uh, a source of wounding, right? Like negative experiences with religion and church and like that women are supposed to be X, Y, Z. And it's like mm-hmm. a, it's a very restrictive, non-freeing, non-empowering posture, like that source of wounding, ultimately healing also came through that way by rediscovering mm-hmm. who Mary like yeah. really was yeah. and the power that she really held. Yeah. And then that, that unlocks in you like yeah. this sense of empowerment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that's often the case, like a source of wounding reframed can also be the gateway to our healing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And to come back into that place of power, it's like leaving that cave. I was like, I'm ready to just mm. get back into the world in a, in a different way. Um, and it's part of all of this. It's part of why I want to have a podcast. It's part of why I, I don't want to work for anyone other than myself. I just feel like um, there's just so much I want to say that's me now that doesn't have to come attached to a brand or attached to a partner or attached to anything other than what I have to say. And I think um, as a woman, that feels really freeing yeah. that I don't need anyone else to sort of hold me up or validate or vouch for me anymore whether i was doing that knowingly or unknowingly it just sort of feels like that's kind of my place now it's your time yeah so kind of taking all this into consideration you've kind of been able to follow intuition and you've been on this path of learning from yoga to breath work to meditation to you know plant medicine and ceremony Uh, where are you now with your own spiritual evolution like what's your relationship with source god um kind of your own inner light Mm -hmm. kind of when you're spending this time meditating whether with the moon or with yourself kind of where do you find yourself contemplating exploring Mm -hmm. being curious about in a spiritual sense i think that um it, it feels more true now than ever that um yeah the pursuit of a spiritual life is the most important thing to me above all else because nothing really works (laughs) unless you have that um and as someone and i think it is a a sort of female attribute you sort of give yourself away in so many different ways for so long um so my spiritual practice is like giving myself back to myself (laughs) um and so it feels uh like each day when i sit to meditate or pray and it's the same thing to me it's like um just being in communion with something greater than myself which feels really good. I mean, the whole point is like, hey, sometimes this human experience is really tough. <laughs> it's really hard. I don't know how to do this all. And so to pray and to be connected to something bigger feels like the best support system you could ever have. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't have to be, you can call God, or you, you decide your own definition. You build out your own spiritual practice. I think because I was sort of grew up in my early twenties in the yogic tradition that I felt like, oh, there's just certain things I have to do and hit and you know to be do this well, tick tick tick. 
uh, versus cultivating my own spiritual life and practices in the way that that feel good for me and resonate. That's been the most exciting thing. So it changes all the time, but I think it is the gift of giving myself back to myself. Mm. <laughs> it's the returning. Um, and then it's the trusting and kind of keeping this vessel open to hear what I need to hear, to say what I need to say and, um, to channel what I need to channel, um, and to let whatever needs to move through me, move through me. Um, and then to keep alchemizing, like elk, it's spiritual practices about alchemy. <laughs> so, okay, here's my fear. Here's my conditioning. Um, here's the way I've always done it. Here's the way I'm relating to myself. Um, how can this alchemize my fear into love or my, you know, my, I always think like if I'm worrying, there's no space for God to be here. Mm. My worry is pushing that out. So if I can clear the channel enough to hear what I need to hear so fun it's like how am i gonna do this i don't know well let's go have a conversation with god Mm. (laughs) we'll figure this out (laughs) yeah the openness that you speak with uh kind of lights me up dean and i we've been on our own journey and we you know share a path together quite often just by being curious and having conversations with people like yourself and and one of the the fun things that we've been talking about is like okay we didn't know we'd be here in our wonderings a year ago and to think, you know, what's where will we go a year from now? You know, <laughs> like just as soon as you step out of that box of this is what this is, whether that is what you've read in some religious text or what you've been told by by others, you know, you don't know where that's going to lead you. And I think that being surrendering to that possibility of of curiosity and and just commitment to to connection and spirit is just such an exciting um place to to live you know Mm -hmm. you're not like predetermined on anything but you're open to so many possibilities and you know that might take you to the south of france because you read something in a book and that connected with you for a specific reason you know that you needed to go here and you still don't know why yeah but yeah you felt a calling to go there yeah um, I think when you kind of lead your life with that openness, you know, it becomes a life of you're living, mm. you know, you're truly living. Yeah, you it's exactly that. It feels, um, uh, you know, like life is earth school, you know, it's like, OK, here I'm at I'm at earth school. Yes. <laughs> okay, earth school is a little hard today, but earth school is really cool, too. And yeah. I really believe that, you know, we come we I, I do believe definitely in, in you know, reincarnation and come we just keep coming back down to learn the things that we need to learn and we forget right we get to earth and we like forget that the oneness I mean like try to find it again we're just here to seek it out again and Mm -hmm. go like okay yeah what do I want to learn and it's if you can think about it as it being fun yes (laughs) oh oh this is ouch this is painful this is confusing I don't know how to how to work this one but then you figure it out and I don't know. It just feels almost like a game (laughs) in a certain level, but we're here to have, that's why I love this idea of like the, the human being is just like so, so complicated, but the spiritual aspect of it is then you remember the oneness. And so you're kind of merging these two paths. And when you're dancing with both, you, you can, it's what I've learned. That is what helps life feel better, Mm -hmm. um, is to be both. And, you know, I live in LA, so I know people that are way far down many rabbit holes on a more spiritual level and forget their humanness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and sometimes we're so stuck in the humanness um that we forget that we're spiritual so i just love the dance of it it makes Um, me think of that beautiful quote by the uh um he was like a jesuit priest pierre 
the Chardin. Mm. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's like, yes, yes. Earth school, but like not to ignore everything beyond that. Right. And then you have these moments of merging, right? I mean, that's the, the whole point of meditation or you know, or if you've had a big psychedelic experience or, you know, you hug your kid or, you know, you smell a rose, like there's many ways and you just feel this oneness, that hit of it. Um, you know, that, and we remember and that remembrance sometimes is so brief Yes. and then the phone rings and the email comes and then, you know, but that's the dance. Yeah. Yeah. That's you, the dance. you lose that moment and yeah. you chase it. There's, um, we've talked about this before, Dean, but I thought I'd share it again. Julie Pyatt, um, I was listening to her podcast and she said this thing that really resonated that, um, you know, we all talk a lot about anxiety these days. You know, everyone's struggling with, um, you know, some degree of anxiety, whether small or severe. And she spoke of being being born as the original form of anxiety because before we're born, we're connected to source. And when we're born into our human body, we are disconnected from source. And our whole life's purpose is just to reconnect to that (laughs) source. That's exactly it. So it's like, you know, if you're feeling anxious about something, just, you know, look up at that moon, take Mm -hmm. your shoes off, connect to the earth, you know, (laughs) like there, there's a reconnect that we're, we're all looking for. And it is a dance that's, you know, we have these moments and they give us clarity and then, you know, we pick up our phone and our kids cry and (laughs) there's all these distractions that take us away from it. Mm -hmm. But, um, to give space for those moments yeah. so that we can have them. Yeah, and and really recognizing the sacredness of them. Like two days ago, I'm home in Vancouver and I was with my mom, at, with my godchild, Mia, my niece. And my mom's like, come in for nap time. And my mom lies on this mattress beside the crib and Mia, you know, lays on her chest. And, you know, I was just laying beside them. And, you know, I was like kind of annoyed because I like, oh, had work and this thing. And I know I'm getting this phone call. And then I had this moment, it actually felt really psychedelic where I'm watching my mom <laughs> hold Mia. I'm going to cry. It's so beautiful. Like almost seeing that as me as a little girl, mm. just this moment, you know, as our parents age, just this like, um, like how real that moment was mm. of just like pure love. Um, and so clear, like crystal clear that it almost felt like um, when my mom dies, like that's like, that'll be a moment that mm. I recall in my heart. Um, just how pure and special. And so, and then I think of how often we miss the sacred. It's like right in front of our fucking face every day. And it's not to judge ourselves because we do it. It's that's the human part of us as we forget. But, you know, having that moment of witnessing something and going, this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was that moment. And it was so cool. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing more important than that moment. Yeah. There's right? nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing. Jeez, wow. Yeah. So cool. And that's like, you know, it, we're just here to master the present moment. Like the future yeah. is not here. The future doesn't exist. Passes over. It's like, we're only here to master the present moment. And some moments just hit you across the face a little bit harder <laughs> no than doubt. others. And that was that moment for wow. me. Yeah. So that's special. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. So, um, you know, before we kind of close with some fun stuff, the Ellie Mass show, <laughs> It's coming soon. You're going to be exploring, exploring, you know, human beings and, and spiritual living and craving your own authentic paths and kind of 
much like this conversation has been an exploration of, of a spiritual journey. Um, this is what we're going to get to kind of tune in on a regular basis to kind of hear your, your ponderings, whether with yourself um, or with a guest, um, you know, how that, that path is, you know, ever, ever flowing from when you first started yoga, maybe because of asthma or, or a hospital saying you have to, you know, you're going to live your life one way and to, to taking your own sovereignty and deciding that you're going to do things differently mm-hmm. to trying out some plant medicines and <laughs> drinking your own urine and, <laughs> you know, finding the divine and, and your mom holding your, yeah. your godchild. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah. you know, I'm going to be a regular because <laughs> uh, I'm into it. Um, I thought we could just have a little bit of fun to close things out. Um, you know, you live in the epicenter of, of the wellness world. And I, I follow this like funny, like meme account. I think it's called like healing from healing. Okay. And it just like makes fun of all the things that I'm actually into. Yeah. And I'm just like, Hey, but they're kind of funny, you know, you have to, la- you have to laugh at yeah. it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like I think like, I, I love the Luke story podcast, but like every week there's at least like one meme on this account, like about yeah. Luke story. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they're so, they just, they get me. So like, I thought maybe you could just kind of share some some funny things about living in LA. You know, having Erwan as your your yeah. grocery store yeah, and the temple of Erwan. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's so much I can say, and um, I think the joke sort of sometimes is like, you know, people do mushrooms one time and start a podcast. And <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna say I don't know if that's true over here, but yeah. uh, you know, it's like there's a lot of um, it's a funny place, right? Venice, Venice, California, West Side Wellness World. It's so cool. People come from all over the world to live in such a beautiful place because we love all of the same things. We love yeah. our juices and we like love our things. But, you know, to spend $18 on a Haley Bieber, uh, you know, smoothie is kind of crazy. Have I done it? Yes. Have I done it more than four times? Probably. Did I have one right before I left? I did. It's a delicious smoothie. But it's like, it's sometimes it's just like, it's a little bit funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that most times if you're going to, in LA, you don't really go like out because it's, you know, everywhere is so spread out. So, and you know, in your 30s. So you're going to a dinner party, but there's never any alcohol at the dinner party. It's more, you know, Cali sober, which means that, you know, you're likely not drinking, but you're doing other things. And you're, you know, the dinner will start with like very intentional, deep questions. And, you know, it's like, I love it. I think it's cool. But it is a meme of itself sometimes. I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I'd love to be in community like that. So like, I, (laughs) you know, I, I laugh at the memes, but also I'm like, I kind of want to be like a yeah. part of this yeah. joke, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think that um, it is beautiful, like going to breath work and then jumping in the ocean and, you know, doing all that stuff. It's, mm. it's fun and it's good. Sometimes it's just a bit of a privilege to add a touch community sometimes right. And, right. in a certain way or, um, you know, I think something that tends to happen in the community, especially around ceremony and psychedelics is that you get a little bit addicted to the ceremony lifestyle, not leaving enough space to integrate the experiences. I would say that would be my one um, sort of, uh, I don't know, no, no. I think if you're going to do those things, you need to give it a lot of space (laughs) and a lot of integration and just, you can, it can get a bit chasing of the next trend. What's the next thing that's going to make me, you know, right. Blast open when we really, again, it just speaks to the grounding experience. Got to keep your feet on the ground too, Mm. as you experience these things. I think that integration is important. Like I, I, like I can be guilty of it too. Like I think anyone, 
when your perspective is changed or open to new possibilities, you can become preachy or like you're excited. You want to share, you know, this, this new message and, and to kind of ground yourself and know that it's, it's part of the journey. Like, you know, I was like that when I first became vegan. I wanted everyone yeah. to be vegan and I told everyone why it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, but you're like, watch these documentaries. Watch, now. watch these, they'll change you. <laughs> these ten, these ten docs. But now like I know like, you know, there's there's a spectrum of of ways to, you know, live a good life. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I think everyone just needs to figure it out uh, for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I thing. sometimes can get judgmental, you know, you'll like be at the beach and someone's like, you know, like Mother Ayahuasca like told me this thing and then I need yeah. to go get my costume for a burning mat and then yeah. you know, whatever. And then I go to Summit and then I'm gonna go to Tulum. We call them like Tuluminati, like Tuluminati. Yeah, yeah, like awesome. people are that. on that circuit, you know, and it's yeah. all just kinda it's but yeah, I make fun of it. I'm I'm part of aspects of it but I think um I think what I'm seeing now is maybe uh the intersection of uh these practices in tech um sometimes gets a little overwhelming Mm. kind of um how do we capitalize when we try to automate the spiritual yeah yeah yeah. I don't like that an algorithm yeah when you strip the heart if you strip the heart out of anything I'm out I'm gone yeah. yeah. So uh, one thing you said before we got started, and, and it's funny because Dean and I were talking about this, might have been from a Joe Rogan podcast with Russell Brand or, or something else, but uh, he kind of mentioned the idea, you might be able to phrase it better than me, but um, you know, we're beings that are built around worship, and uh, if we're not intentional about it, if we, we can choose to worship the divine, or we worship the material, and um I think kind of you summarize some of that and, and, and some of what happens in LA and some of what happens everywhere in the world. Like we're either full of intention or we become a passenger and, and yeah. we're team mentioned, you know, if, or you might've mentioned, if you look at your, your visa at the end of the month, mm-hmm. you know, you'll realize what you're worshiping. Yeah. So, um, we can, we can be intentional or we can be passive and yeah. I'd always rather be intentional. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, Anyone that you're, you mentioned, uh, this O'Neill woman, I'm always curious about people that I look up to who they're learning from. Is there mm-hmm. anyone that you're learning from right now that you want to kind of bring into, into the listener's radar? Yeah, I am. Um, well, Barbara O'Neill is this uh, lady who she's an Australian nurse, I believe, but she's she's actually not on TikTok, but people post her lectures on TikTok. And, um, you know, I'm always like trying to find the most natural way to get through like a cold or a whatever. And, um, you know, she's the one that's like, you know, put onions in your socks and go to sleep if you don't feel well and stuff like that, which I love. Um, so I love Barbara O'Neill. We were talking about Celtic sea salt and hydration. And so there's just a lot of like really great tips and I just um I'm just always so like in love with the way nature can heal us and getting off of um yeah I mean western medicine has its place but I think sometimes we get too dependent and so I mean in all of the work that I've done really at the end of the day it's just like sunlight <laughs> sunlight good food good sleep community love yourself bye that's it that's it there's no you know expensive checkout price it's all these things are accessible and free all right there we're just tricked um so i love her um i just read a like i'm obviously down this meglin path or you know rabbit hole but there's a woman named megan waterson i believe she wrote the magdalene revealed um another really just profound book she's done the same pilgrimage as me and kind of had a similar experience um but she's really really interesting in her um 
in that book, which I just finished. Um, and then I'm revisiting Women Who Run With the Wolves, which is uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, which I've bought this book probably 5,000 times in my life. I just picked it up again because I didn't have a copy with me in LA, but I got to my parents' house and found a copy and it says 20, go. I think it says like 2014 Ali Maz forever, like something silly. <laughs> uh, but I've just had that book for so many years and it's just come back into my life again. And I just think it's a must read. It's so funny. It's so good. Whenever I see that book, I actually think of you. Because yeah. uh, like in like peak district times and crush hush and all that, like I feel like you always had a copy by your side. And because you had a copy by your side, everybody else had a copy by their side. So I feel like every woman of that kind of, era of the district yeah. like it was like yeah. in their instagram posts it was like if i went over to anyone's like house for dinner it was like there on the coffee table it was cult like, leader yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yo that new netflix show though <laughs> oh the cults one yeah yeah oh, oh, i haven't yeah. checked it out oh dude we gotta talk about Too busy it like watching maybe, the warrior maybe off air okay because uh, i think it's our future what okay. no i'm just yeah. kidding <laughs> but no, it's like, i mean this Kayla's is like, again this is it's you. all part of it it's just like you know you're just it's a fine line fine but i'm i'm always i'm obsessed with cults it's because so you know being in the wellness industry being in a lot of these industries like you can see something well, this show will show you how you know those things can turn out but yeah um it's it's uh yeah intentional community spaces sometimes yeah. get a little crazy if you're not um so you gotta keep your feet on the ground yeah right? yeah you just have to continuously break your addiction to power and money and sex uh yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna be the head of a cult um specifically for men so i think the women should be the, the yeah. head of the cult and if yeah. they want uh, the money the power the sex you know all to them <laughs> all to the woman it's their turn to have all of those things um okay as we kind of wind this up um, any other tidbits that you want to share about the the soon launching Ellie Mao show? Mm, yeah, I think that I'm just really excited. I think that this has been something that has been brewing in me for a very long time. And I think I needed the nudge, truthfully, because it feels um, kind of like the feeling before, you know, like starting to write my book or opening the district or starting Girlvana it has that sort of same energy of, Oh, I'm afraid to do this thing. So I got to do it. Mm, I love that um, so that's, that's the feeling. Um, and I think what you can expect from me always is just vulnerability and heart. I don't have any other intention with this podcast other than to share. Like I have to express myself or, you know, I'm going to die. Like that's how it feels. Mm. That's how art feels. It's like, yeah. yeah, I have no choice but to do this. It's that call for me. So that's how I know it's right. Um, and I've just met so many interesting, people in the line of work that I do I have so many people that I want other people to know about and um, I have a long list and so we'll see who ends up saying yes but um, really from people that I greatly respect to um, people that are like my personal teachers I always think those conversations are really interesting kind of um, yeah the spiritual work I'm doing and then people and friends from the past too you know bring a couple of wild cards back or some some reconnection time and so I just think it'll be a really great way to um, express and inspire and expand people um, and maybe show a different way of, of what people think a spiritual life looks like. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I yeah. love it. I think you're someone who, who lives it and models it. And, you know, like, like Zach had said before with the, with the book and the copies, like we always talk about our positive trail or, or the waves or like waves don't die. Yeah. And that whenever we go anywhere, we leave that wake. Right. And, and we may or may not see where it goes and where it lands, what shores it washes up on, but we know that there's that impact and you're someone who has, I think a tremendous impact. And this is just a way 
that people will be able to connect with you more and maybe hear like the B sides, like the Alimaz B totally. sides, like what what's not always on Instagram Reel or what hasn't been available through other apps or other platforms before. And now you can just be authentically yeah. and genuinely yeah. yourself on this journey that you're having as a spiritual being on your human yeah. experience. Yeah. Yes. Nailed it. There we go. Did I know we've asked Dali Maz this question in the last uh, iteration when she came on when like on our first ten episodes? Yeah, but, uh, we're a, we're all different people let's, now. Let's, yeah. let's, let's close this one out how we usually yes. land land the plane. So bring, bring us home, Dina. Sounds good, Ali. We'd love to hear your thoughts today mm-hmm. on a little more good. Mm-hmm. That phrase, that sentence, when you hear it, what does it feel like? What does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. A little more good. I think right now what it means to me is like my cup runneth over (laughs) and so I'm so full of of the way I take care of myself and love myself and my intrinsic value that as it runs over that's where I get to do a little more good. Um, I think previous like if you were to ask me this question you know like 15 years ago I think I was you know you're just young and you want to save the world and I had this energy of like that over everything martyrdom like I just want to (laughs) serve and then you know I burnt out many many times and so I think now it's just as I continue to, to, to charge my own, you know, uh, energetic uh, body in life that as it runs over, then I get to do the good in the world. Yeah. And I think it's the only sustainable way to do it. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. There we go. Ellie Mass, the Ellie Mass show coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> awesome.